I'm Danny Thojai from Poetry Corner and Elmwood Productions, and you're watching that maniac, Rich the Claws, here on the Claws Corner. Check it out or be a loser. Welcome to the latest episode of the Claws Corner. My guest is a well-known friend of the Claws Corner. He has done so much for me. He's a musician, author. I want to say, I'll even say poet because you write you write a lot of stuff. And there's, <laughs> I first met him at the Twilight Zone convention several years ago at Rod Serling Fest. And he goes, Rich, I would love to help you out with your show. So thanks to my next guest, the show not only is on YouTube, thanks to uh, John Bristol of the award-winning Elmer Productions, but because of my next guest, it's on Spotify, iTunes, Amazon Music, Audible, and iHeartRadio. So please welcome the man, the myth, the legend. You know him. You love him. Rob Bull. How the hell are you? I'm doing great, man. How are you doing? I am doing very well. So glad to have you back on the show. I like to have you on maybe every couple months, always get an update. First of all, right off the bat, thank you very much for all you do to get this show to as many people as I can. I was checking the stats out uh, right before we went on. I love the fact that people are downloading in Canada, Japan, I think where else, China. I'm trying to think of some of the other countries, but I, I love it. So it's it, thanks to you, I never would have been able to do that. YouTube is good and I love YouTube, but it's, I, I want to get it on as many platforms as we can. I would never be able to do that without you. So thank you. Absolutely, man. It, it was uh, it was a real fun time and, and learning process for me because eventually I might want to start a podcast or something and and now like helping you out and figuring out that it's not uh you know it's it's not a mountain to climb that it's uh that's pretty good so I, and and I appreciate you for you know letting me help you know I know please I I really do appreciate it so as I mentioned and people who watch the show know who you are but you you are a musician first and foremost and from right we were running a little bit late and the reason we're running a little bit late is you're working on a new song so let's talk about that first uh yes i i was working on a couple new things actually one thing i was working on i was actually i was going through your your um your d wallace video and i made a i took out the clip of her talking about um the uh the fan that had the autistic child oh yeah and that and and basically spoke for the first time, like because of seeing ET. And I wanted to. It was it's it's actually the perfect length for a, a YouTube short. So I was, I put that in a thing, and so I had the video in there, and I went into my music making, uh, uh, Fruity Loops they call it my program, and I was playing the piano along, and and I came up with a riff, and I was like, oh, this is really good, and then I was like, oh, so I actually that. So I had the riff initially just for the song, and then that turned into me making a couple other riffs and putting some drum beats to it. And I was like, oh, wow, I just meant to turn this into a quick thing for the for the video to have like a sentimental type piano riff uh, to go along with what uh, with what D was saying. And then that just and then I was like, oh, but this is really good. So I'm thinking about like keeping the riff in the in the video, but also turning that riff into a song. So you, so you do have a YouTube channel. What, where can people find that? Like what's what oh, name do oh, they type oh, in? Like, um, you, you just type in uh, Rob Bull. Okay. Uh, 
R O B B U L L. And then should be the, you know, there's a couple people that have the same name too, but it's, it's me basically in a clown nose. Uh, I think I was, I was working at, uh, peddlers at the time i was a either a dishwasher or, or a cook i kind of went in between and then i always like to bring like comedy and and a specific type of energy into like anything i do especially like work when it's like monotonous washing dishes and stuff i'd always like to just be the character listen to loud like intense orchestra music and stuff like when it gets crazy and so kind of, what kind of, well, let's talk about that. Let's talk about your musical taste because you, you mentioned orchestra. Do you like classical? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I love that. Um, my, what I like to write uh, stories to is a, uh, I have a playlist of like, and I think it might be an album, but it's a compilation of the 50. I don't know if they are the 50 darkest pieces of classical music, but that's what it is. And then I have a couple in there that are my favorites to just really get the atmosphere, um, get the atmosphere down. Yeah. Well, I'm curious about this because um, a couple of my favorite composers are some of the most popular. My favorite of all time, it's Mozart, just because I, he's, and you could tell the reason I'm bringing this up was because in life, he was mostly upbeat, happy. He loved the party. That's why he was always broke because he, was so generous. He partied all the time, gave money away. Beethoven, on the other hand, was severely depressed. He, then he went deaf and he became even more depressed. So, and you could tell from the music, like Beethoven is much more. Dun, 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 dun. Yes, I love that. Yeah. Beethoven's fifth. But Mozart is a little bit more upbeat, more fun. So, question for you Was Mozart on the 50 darkest pieces or was Beethoven? Uh, Beethoven definitely was oh, yeah. um, a couple of his, a couple sonatas and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, uh, I think so. I, I think Mozart might have been on it. I oh, really too. Yeah, I you know it's, I lately I've been on this. Well, um, I I go through different phases. Like I as I mentioned to my audience, I even told you I can go from the Carpenters to Slayer to King Diamond to Barry Manilow to Abba to Mozart, to Beethoven, to Vivaldi, all in one day. Just like my playlist is all over the place. And I love that because I think you're very similar with that. So, but lately I've been on an orchestra kick. So I saw Beethoven, they did the whole fifth and some other ones. And then I just saw the best of Mozart, which the best, ah. how, how can you really take, pick out the best out of everything he's done? That right, was, yeah. Do you know the story of his life of Mozart? Um. Not really that much. Like, uh, you know, I there's only so many people that I can uh, obsess about and learn, really learn about their lives. But he might be on the list because I think Stanley Kubrick has a movie about Mozart, right? No, not Stanley Kubrick. It's um, Milos Forman, who did One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. He directed the movie called Amadeus, which was not – it's hmm. more of a fiction. I mean, I know Kubrick didn't do anything that was really – because the, the movies Kubrick did, which we'll talk about, The Shining, Lolita, Dr. Strangelove, Eyes Wide Shut, Full Metal Jacket. So he most he didn't do one that I know of on Mozart. Maybe he did something that didn't come out in, or it's underground. But Milos Forman did the one with Tom Hulse, who played in Animal House. He played uh, Wolfie. And <laughs> the movie is good. It's got stars uh, – 
the, I don't want to play Salieri. He's a famous actor. F. Murray Abraham plays um, Salieri. So the, the movie is good, but it's a lot of fiction. The real story is yeah. more fascinating. I read his biography twice. He's, his sister was supposed to be the prodigy. The father was going to take advantage of that and bring her everywhere. And he, Mozart mm. was about three years old. He could barely reach the piano. He started playing. And they're like, the father said, aha. Here's my cash cow. So they took him all over um, the place and he became the big hit. And he just, I mean, he, he didn't really care. He just loved playing music and he was writing sonatas at age seven, writing symphonies by age nine. I mean, that's why when I saw the Mozart uh, orchestra, like, oh, he wrote this during uh, his later years and his later years was 29 years old. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, Wait, so, so how old did he live till? Did he like, it was in, he was in his 30s. I can't remember exactly, but he was definitely early 30s that he mm. died. It was, was it like um was it like common back then or yeah, like I mean, for the time or yeah. Okay. I, I wasn't sure if it was like a he died because of a whatever an overdose or something. No, no I know it's more more common now than it is back then, but <laughs> yeah. yeah, he he wasn't part of the uh, fame infamous 27 club. Right. <laughs> But he, I mean, back then, I mean, unfortunately, they don't, have, they didn't have the kind of uh, medication that we have now, and they didn't have the kind of medical care. So the people were getting sick, and they were dying all the time. So he just died from, I can't remember exactly what, but it wasn't anything that was uncommon. Yeah, it could have been any kind of infection or. Yeah. I feel like around then people still died from dysentery. So. Yeah, no, that, was, that, was, that was a big thing back then because, you know, yeah, right. had a lot of cleanliness back then. No, no, we just didn't know, you know. Mm -hmm. Imagine the things that we don't, we still don't know, that we that we will know in another hundred, two hundred years. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, actually, this is sort of goes with what we're talking about. Who uh, the three people that I would love to meet, if I ever had a chance to, would be Mozart, Benjamin Franklin, and Teddy Roosevelt. Actually, a fourth Mm. person, a translator, so I can understand what Mozart's saying because he speaks German. So for right. you, who would be who would be three people that living or dead that you would love to just sit down and talk to? Um I would definitely definitely Rod Serling. Oh yes. Obviously. I didn't even think about that. Um, yeah. Because I feel like there's so much that someone can learn from his uh knowledge and and uh lifetime and storytelling um probably probably hp lovecraft too yes um trying to think of a those are two good ones right there right i you know actually i i would like i guess king tut's grandfather Ah. i would like to talk to because king tut's grandfather was the one who uh, i believe who discovered the sphinx Oh, the Sphinx was actually like in our history books. It says the Sphinx was built by Egyptians, mm-hmm. but the Egyptians actually discovered it. It was King Tut's grandfather that discovered the Sphinx and pulled it out of the, um, you know, got I don't know how back then, you know, dug it out of the sand and stuff and and when they dug it out now we have all our, our you know technology modern technology to test things 
And it just shows that there's water erosion on the sides, unlike the bottoms of it, uh, on the bottom of the Sphinx that is from thousands of years of uh, water erosion. So that's, I would like to, I would like to, you know, ask him, like, what was it like to discover something like that? Yes, I never heard Desperate. I've seen many King Tut exhibits. There was one in New York recently. I Actually, I saw both of them in New York, and there's one in Connecticut where I live. But what's impressive is how old was he? About 13 years old when he was leader of the country? Yeah. And what's even more impressive is that when I saw the artifacts from that time period, the quality is phenomenal. It means so much better than what comes out today. It's just that these things last will last forever and ever. This, especially if you are a king or somebody of royalty. Oh yeah. Things were yeah. So I mean, I, I was I was looking at chairs they made and different things, and wow, it's just the, the amount of time. That, yeah, that must have been amazing. And that must have been amazing. Yeah, I. That's so ever, cool. Have you ever been to a King Tut exhibit? No, actually, I haven't. I, I've I've been to the um to the Museum of Natural History in uh, New York City, which I believe has yeah. some things from Egypt. They do. Maybe some things from uh from King Tut, but I, I've never seen an actual um full on exhibit. I would that would that would be amazing. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, you know, you got to see that. Yeah, well, you know, it's interesting. All the people we talked about: Mozart, Beethoven, Rod Serling, King Tut. They all accomplished so much in such a short span of time. Rod Serling was right. what, 51 years old, I think. I'm 55, so he's I'm older than Rod Serling was. And the amount of things he did in his life, he lived at least three lifetimes with all the things mm-hmm. he wrote and did. Uh, then, of course, you know Mozart and King Tufts, 13. He died so young that he never even had a chance to really do anything, but he's ruling a country. Yeah, but he was a king before, you know, yeah. like. Yeah, like that's that's mind boggling to think about, like you're a king before your brain is even yeah. fully developed, you know? Yeah. So this whole conversation started because you said we were talking about orchestra and I asked if you like music. So the, the music that you're making with the D Wallace, when's this going to be released? When can people see that in your YouTube channel? Rob Bull. Oh, I mean, I, I hope soon. And actually, I was thinking it would um, you could put it up on the. Um, you could put it up on the the Claws Corner channel too. Yeah. Start, um, because I was going through and looking at different videos and trying to think of uh, shorts and stuff. Because, like the the YouTube algorithm now, it 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 heavily favors uh people that do like the shorts. Yeah. And stuff. So like it'll it'll send it to other people. And plus having those short like really emotional clips you know especially like that one in particular that was the first one that came to mind the d wallace one so i was like that that's a good that could get a lot of views and a lot of attention to the channel yes and then that's a great idea i want to i mean you and i could speak off the air so i want to start doing things like that just taking little clips of my interviews and putting especially on tiktok for some reason tiktok seems to be the the new in thing and i know friends of mine they get millions of views for nothing i mean just like simple videos 15 seconds long i said how'd you get 15 million views on that right yeah and and that's a good payday for oh yeah for um 15 million views yeah it's it's basically it's doing what everybody else is doing just with your own twist you know like that's what i'd like to 
I think we spoke about it before. I, I really like studying um, uh, not just like uh, like the topics in videos, but like what about videos and, and songs and movies and stuff that really catches people's attention and stuff. And I'm hoping one day all the, like all the studying will put into use once I actually find get my ADHD brain together and pinpoint on something yeah uh one thing and then really just and go for it then and that would you know that, that would just be awesome and i would you know want to help people and businesses and whatever you know friends along the way so you know yeah no please. yes we all appreciate that yeah absolutely and if there's any fans of uh Claus corners that have specific clips or podcasts that they like they should put it in the comments please below do and I'll, I'll take a yeah please do that i would yep. love to, I would, rob does great work and i'm so appreciative of everything he does and i would love to see if somebody has one of their favorite clips one of their favorite episodes put it in the links put it in the comments and let rob know and then we'll uh Hopefully we'll get it up there on YouTube channel. So you mentioned, I mean, the first time I met you was what? It's been like a year and a half, two years now, something around, like close to that. Yeah, I think. I think close to two, maybe even close to three. Yeah. I think it might reason, be over two. The reason I'm bringing that up was the first time I met you was, as I mentioned, the Serling Fest, and you were showing me some of your music then. So approximately, do you have anything on Spotify, iTunes, that, or other platforms that people can listen to, or is it all on YouTube? Oh yes, I I have um a decent selection on um on Spotify. You just look up my name, Rob Bull. Um it should pop up there. I think there's a couple different ones because I've been on I have some of my own stuff and other collaborations I've done with people. Um like there's a couple songs I did with my ex-manager Chris uh from Mind Over Matter. Uh those recently were really good they were uh they're pretty dark but they were made around uh halloween so they were that was the intention to be very um to be very dark and 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 they're rap songs so it's easy to it's very easy to to go dark on rap songs but it's it's the kind of different kind of darkness it's not just talking about money or or killing people or anything it's actually more like like rather than killing people it's more like uh inner madness um going insane kind of like a, a lovecraftian um uh, faustian bargain type um type songs uh at least the one is the devil never sleeps which uh that one is that's the faustian bargain one and then i think there's creatures uh yeah it's called creatures and that one's that one's just more of uh for me it's i guess it's more an an attack on modern media and cancel culture mm -hmm. um it's not like that sounds corny but it's not it's not put in that way it's not all just about that but there's that's like a heavy basis i think i did one verse and the chorus on that the chorus i did is just me uh like singing but screaming not like emo screaming or whatever i guess it, it sounds more like an uh ozzy osbourne all right which i think is pretty cool um and then yeah so more songs on on youtube um eventually i'm gonna get my catalog together and, and put them all on uh spotify and stuff like that i kind of have them all scattered 
I'm, I guess I'm a scatterbrain uh, type person. But yeah, on YouTube, Spotify, um, SoundCloud for my older stuff, um, Rob Bull. You just search up Rob Bull and I'll pop up. Where's, all the, I, where's the inspiration? My, I, I'll say, go ahead. Oh, the inspiration. I, I Oh, no, I, just, I think I'm on Amazon too. But um, the main ones are SoundCloud, YouTube, and Spotify I use. Um, and you were saying the yeah. No, what I was going to ask you was you mentioned that they're darker songs. Does the inspiration come from horror movies, or does it come from something internal that you're going through at the time while you're writing the songs? Uh, it it definitely comes from something uh internal. Um, you know we've we've talked about my past on here, and nothing, yeah. nothing we really need to get too deep into again. But yeah, that kind of stuff. Um, being told. I would never be anything um, most of my life, you know, but, but also having the, uh, the dichotomy of my mom saying like being the complete opposite that there's like a internal battle inside, I guess. And that's, um, that's usually at the forefront of my songs that they could seem very, um, they seem insane, but believably insane, if that makes sense. It does. You know, like I like, I kind of like my songs like they were to be like a, I don't know, like a, an excerpt from a, from a book, uh, you know, a character that lost his mind and, you know, there were, there were whispers that he made deals with the devil and things like that, which is like, I, I know that's not like most people don't want to be seen as that. But because I, I think I, I was put down and made to be so full of fear mm-hmm. my whole life and ma- especially my childhood, it, it kind of grew into a thing where I wanted to become that in a way, not an actual like I don't want to hurt anybody or anything like that. But when it comes to like a, an art form, mm-hmm. you know, I kind of want to be like um uh, you know, like a Robert Johnson or or somebody like that, except more, if that makes sense, like more kind of the next level, mm-hmm. I guess. Like not saying I want to die early and, and have that stuff that comes along with these things or whatever. I think it's just something my brain latched to. And um, especially with art, like that kind of stuff really spoke to me that was like, oh, you can... It's like a way to have power, um, the easy way, I guess. You know, as as weird as it sounds. Yeah, no, but... I know exactly what you're saying, and I want to say something regarding this because I just recorded an interview. It's not released as we're recording this, but her name is Tina Cole. She's an author, musician, and actress. Most people know her as Katie on the iconic television series from the '60s and '70s, My Three Sons. But she, you have to watch this interview. She did so much more. And the reason I'm bringing her up was that her whole thing is that happiness is a choice. And I even said, I said, there's so many, so two things, the same thing happened to two people. One person goes down one road, one person goes down another road. And I love the fact that you chose the road where it's a more positive avenue. And you're maybe in the past, you had some problems, but you're not, you're not playing the victim. You're not making excuses. You're like, no, it's going to make me stronger. I'm going to prove these people wrong. That's what I love about your attitude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's actually a, a great way to to put it because I just you know you get 
at a certain choice, I, I, I think when you go through a certain amount of trauma and, and stuff, you come to a crossroads where you, you become, you become the victim that they want you to be. Mm-hmm. And then, and then it turns like through that road, that road leads to becoming the, uh, the abuser, the offender, mm-hmm. you know, versus becoming like being strong, realizing that you you can be something, you know, and you're not stupid or whatever. You know, these are just personal things yeah. that were, you know, you're not. Uh, a big one was the the R word, grown up, retarded. You know, I not not that's not me just dropping that, but you know, and, and it's like I don't I don't think people should not be allowed to say that, but I think you know, like, well, I, having. I feel like- no, sorry to interrupt you. I want to stop you right there because yeah, yeah. that is actually the technical term for people that would might be offended by that. Yeah. Sorry, but the technical retard means to stunt growth, and that's exactly what that yeah. word means. It was never ever meant as derogatory. It was the name of a foundation for years and years and years. I don't know how it became such an offensive word. So yeah, and Rob is to me the you're one of the least offensive people that I know. You never ever go out of your way to offend people. You always or worried about what other people not worry about what other people think but you don't go out to intentionally well, yeah. hurt people yeah and i love yeah. that so i just wanted to clear yeah. that up because i'm with you on that i can't stand political correctness and i know other some people may say i'm offended by that but i mean there's always going to be something that offends somebody you can never ever just unless you like completely shut yourself off from life you're never going to like everything and i always said like there's an on button exactly if you don't like it yeah. turn it off you don't have to sit there and watch it. So first of all, Rob would never offend anybody intentionally. And I, but what surprised me, and I'm sorry to cut you off, but I just wanted to stop you on that one. I can mm-hmm. never, ever imagine why anybody would even say that about you. Cause I met you and I thought you, I still think you're extremely intelligent. We were talking about movies, TV, you knew the history of all these different things that I never even heard of. So, I mean, it, t- it takes an intelligent person to remember all that and know all the facts and you, you write music, you write books. I don't know how anybody could ever think that you're that you're retarded or unintelligent. Yeah, right. I don't understand that. No, and I I really appreciate that. And like a lot of that, like a lot of that, um, a lot of that negativity that was instilled was in my childhood. So I that also gave me the 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 fire to like be like, no, I'm gonna be. You know, I, I'm gonna be smart. And like, honestly, like through like school and stuff, I I wasn't, I wasn't that good at all. I was the kid in special classes, and and I mean now realize understanding why because like my home life was not, you know, the tip top or or whatever, and that has a lot of effect on how you're gonna play out in school. You know how things are gonna go. So like for a while, I, I did believe those things because even my teachers would be telling me because because they have no idea what's going on at home. So they're out of the loop and, you know, they just think I'm a, like an asshole kid because I'm not doing my homework and I'm, uh, you know, joking around and not paying attention, you know, not realizing that it's like because like school for me was like a, a like a vacation, I guess, away, you know, away from home. So, you know, I, I wasn't 
when I was a kid, I, I didn't have the, the the tools to be able to just, um, you know, do good in school and 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 go about academic things, you know. So like since getting out of school, that's when I've really that's when I I discovered my learn my lust and love for learning and learning things that obviously interest me and and the cool part was finding out that a lot of things interest me you know not math but (laughs) not stuff like that but um just a lot of things and especially history ancient history and 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 science and and all like stuff that actually i wasn't good at in school but you know and now i'll sit down and research stuff for hours and i just i love it yeah well i want to tell you i mean one of the brightest people in the world and this is i brought him up earlier but benjamin franklin did so much i mean just an example would be franklin stove bifocals he helped out with electricity he created the library created post office he was a postmaster general for a while i mean he was a ambassador over in france he let he quit school or didn't quit school he stopped learning at age or third grade there was no more school for him and he did like george carlin who's probably one of the smartest comedians one of the funniest one of the most bright still relevant he's been dead since 2008 he left school in ninth grade i mean i can give you example after example so i mean there's just because people Think oh yeah, if they're think... not good in school doesn't make them unintelligent. Sometimes school, mm-hmm. sometimes the most intelligent people aren't good at school because they're bored. Yeah, yeah. I want to say um, uh, now I I was gonna say I'm 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 reading through the Red Book by um, Carl Jung. It's like a yeah. uh, and um, I think I think in there it says he also dropped out early but i don't quote me on it because i get things mixed up mm-hmm. could be another person i was thinking of but yeah a lot of people have like you realize that i mean i think the biggest thing is realizing that like learning should not stop after school no definitely. you know for me and, most of my learning happened after school like i love to read yeah. i love when i when, i'm like you you mentioned something about obsessing on different things i get obsessed on one or two things and i'll just learn everything about it i'll listen to everything watch everything read everything and then a new interest comes and you know that's shiny new object and i'll get on that kick so i and i can give you an example my girlfriend and i love doing trivia and every time we played trivia we either came in first second or third place we were never ever below that and we were such a, like i'm great at pop culture and history she loves uh geography science so between two of us we're always good so i just oh that's awesome yeah so it's just i love learning new things and so i'm always right? reading like it, if there if there's a, something on the back of a matchbox i will read that just because like, oh wait that's a cool fact never realized that yet. right i think like learning and creating are the are the some of the like the best things in life you know mm-hmm because you take that learning, whatever it is, and you create something out of it, you know? Yeah. yeah. Or, you know, it doesn't have to be everything you learn, but, you know, you just, I I just love the the whole act of learning. Mm-hmm. I mean, and now it's like, 
like I feel like my brain is bad with absorbing. So what I do is I just saturate. Like you said, I just obsess over something and I'll listen or watch something over and over and over again until it really it really sets in because I have like a, a memory issue. Well, you know what works for me? And I do it because I record so many interviews and I need writing things down. When I write it down, yeah, it, write down, and then it, and then I'll just go over and over and over again. So I, because what I here's here's my uh, process. I sometimes get perfect examples. The interview you and I were talking about off the air the other day about the Carpenters. I had sixteen pages of notes, so I know that the interview is not going to go anywhere. I have all these questions written down, but I know that it's going to go. If we're going to start talking, and he'll mention a fact that I have on page twelve. So instead of like looking for it. Couple days before the interview, I'll go over and over and over again. I'll memorize everything, like all the questions, all the answers. Because I, I learned to write down the answers as well. Because a couple times, guests have said in the past, you know what? Even I think he said too. Yes, I haven't. I wrote that book in 2010. It's hard to remember all the facts. I said, well, I have. Here's what you said, and so I'll refresh your memory. <laughs> Doing that makes me remember the facts. All the, the all those interviews I've done, I can remember almost everything that I talked about. But when I'm not doing it, I'm just doing things on my own or reading. I'm like, wait, what was that? And then I have to go back and read it again. But yes, yeah, so writing things down really was a big help to me. Yeah, that's genius. I, I I think I've heard that from from somebody else too. I think it's like I think it's taking your something that you learned and putting it into a practical like a you're taking something you learned and you're doing something physical you know, like writing or like when, like learning stuff about mixing music and stuff, that's like, that's a good way for, like for me to remember is I'll, I'll watch a video or do some research, then like do it immediately. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, keep doing it over and over again and keep watching the video and, you know, certain things. Like I, I really like to get my kick kick drums to to hit really hard, like in, like in Dr. Dre songs. Mm-hmm. And and this last year, I've finally been able to to get that. Like my my last few mixes of 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 beats and stuff that I've done are like um, they blow me away. Wow, just really cool. Do you have an actual drum set? No, no. Um, I what I do is like the, they have these um you know the music programs and you can set up a drum set. Uh, to go on your keyboard so like a like a piano keyboard yeah and then so like c will be the drum c will be the kick drum c major be like a a a clap or a snare and then going on it'll be like it'll have toms hi-hats and stuff so you can just boom boom like that kind of stuff and uh, like i i can do simple stuff on a on a real drum kit because my my sister had one for a while, yeah, and um, so I'd mess around with that. But yeah, I'm I'm better at like the um doing something like like playing something on the piano and then having it on my uh, program so I can tighten up where the notes hit and stuff. You know, like I couldn't imagine. I I really love being able to do it this way. I couldn't imagine like like back in the day where you'd actually have to play everything and like i mean it's like i'll play it and stuff yeah. i i create it but i don't have to like get it perfect 
as I'm playing it in the recording or whatever. Oh yeah. You know, it just turns out as little blocks that I'll just have to straighten out, but I create those blocks, you know? Well, let's go through your writing process. You start with the music first and then go to the lyrics or do you write lyrics down and say, you know, I'm going to put a beat to this. Um, it's usually always, uh, always music first. Okay. Yeah, because then I, I I can sit and I'll get my beat or a, a beat that uh, maybe a buddy um, made or something, and, and if it really speaks to me, like something will something like will pop up usually immediately, um, and I I just I go out back. My writing process is I I always write outside, mm-hmm. um, right outside alone, like preferably because I. Like I, I pace back and forth, obviously, as I'm writing, I, I get into a real trancey type zone where I, I just basically shut down my logic part of my brain and let the, um, well, maybe not. I, I think they, they work in tandem to where it feels like some kind of mystical. Yeah. When it goes right, it feels like, uh, like I'm pulling things out of the ether, um, I'm just like pacing back and forth, trying to be like, what what can I say that is um, obviously original? But what can I say that's like, will garner a feeling, you know, like uh, something that's like the first things I usually like to put down have some kind of feeling, some kind of atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Um it's like it's it's easy to like point out rather than like um explain like i can go through i got some things i got started here um uh let's see the yellow king um yeah there's one i'm working on i i got a couple things written down um Rockets launched, fuel depletes. I heard the captain say the payloads will now be released. Um, we watched them drift away. That's gonna be it's gonna be um a song called uh Moon Men. And it's gonna it was inspired by a Twilight Zone episode um years ago that I I made a beat for and then I kept it for a while. And I didn't really like the way certain parts of the beat were. So I recently, um, actually, it, it, it's kind of weird because I think I made that beat on New Year's Day um, in 2016, I believe. New Year's Day 2016. And then I I went back and re, like, when I remade it, or like started remaking it. It was it was just this last New Year's, and it was the the same, not the same day. Well, yeah, it was the same day, but it was uh, yeah. like I didn't plan it for it to be that way. So I was like, I I made it in 2016 on New Year's Day, and then I remade it, um, New Year's Day 2024. Which episode did you base it on? Um, and when the sky was opened. Which one was that? I'm just I don't know it by name. I know it that, that was something there. That was the one with um it has oh, what's his name? Rod Taylor in it. Okay. Um oh he, wait, oh, go ahead. I think I know which one you're talking about now. Where they they're um 
they're astronauts on a on an experimental spacecraft that goes into space, mm-hmm. and uh, they the, the something happens where they they lose contact for like an hour or something, and and land and end up back on Earth, crash landed, and um, but they don't realize uh, they're on Earth. Yeah. Uh. No, that one was uh uh arrow. I yeah. think it was like when Arrow was shot from. Yeah, you're right. No, that was I. I know which one you're talking about because I have that book, which you and I eventually will interview the guy who wrote that Twilight Zone companion, uh, and I it has all the titles. It's such an awesome book. I, Twilight Zone has to be at least in the top five of my t- favorite TV shows of all time. But that, oh yeah, definitely. The other one I was thinking of, and I thought the one you're talking about was where there. I think it started Claude Aikens. Their spacecraft um, is broken. So then there's all these little men who idolize them and they're building statues. And this one oh, guy. Oh, yes. That's the one I thought you were talking about at first. That's another. No, no. Uh, this one, it's a three astronauts uh, go out to space, an experimental spacecraft. They they lose contact and radio for an hour and they end up crash landing back on Earth. And they have no memory of mm-hmm. what happened when when there was the radio blackout from when they got back and crashed. So they just basically woke up at the hospital and it's kind of weird. It, it's kind of like, they're not even worried about it either. They're, yeah. they're all just kind of like joking in, in the, in the hospital room. And then one guy starts to feel weird. Yeah. I think he says, I, he's like, I get strange feeling. I've never felt this before. And Rod Taylor, his character asks him like, what do you mean? He's like, I feel if I just let go, I could uh, disappear. And then he goes and he calls his parents and his parents don't know who he is. Supposedly doesn't exist. And Rod Taylor's trying to comfort him. He goes to get a beer, comes back and he's gone. Uh, the the Harrington uh, character, he's, he's gone. And then, and, and he's gone out of existence. Everyone that should know about him knows nothing about him. The, like they were in the papers and, like when when Harrington disappears, the papers change. It says three astronauts, and then it says two, and then so most of the episode is Rod Taylor's character go around trying to like convince, mm-hmm. like trying to find anybody that knows about Harrington, like people that should know, you know, like a, their sergeant and all that stuff. Like nobody knows, and eventually they, towards the end, uh, Rod Taylor goes through the same thing and disappears. And then the final guy disappears. So they all like disappear. And that kind of gave me uh, an idea of like. Um, kind of gave me this idea of like silhouettes in space, like these kind of beings that are shadows mm-hmm. and and. And like want to take. Like, you know, it like like we made a mistake by going as like far into space as we did. And they want to um, basically take us, take, you know, the the people on the ship. And but there's no knowledge of there's, you know, there's like an ambiguity, which which I like. Like, that's what I really like about that episode is that you don't find out what the what took them, where they went or whatever it's just like they're 
they're very they're just freaking out basically the whole episode and they disappear and then that's it and and you don't really know what took them where they went so you're able to use like your imagination so that was kind of one thing my brain went to and and i was like oh that'd be a a good i like good idea for a song and i made a, a beat which is pretty pretty bumping um and then i have a hook it's uh i wish the moon man in my mind would save me from mm -hmm. the silhouettes in the sky i know it might sound batshit crazy but we've lost or but we've crossed the quantum line i love it it's one small step for man one giant mistake for mankind I wish the moon in my mind could save me from the silhouettes in the sky. All right. Wow. That's pretty deep. I, I like that. So how long does it take you to uh, write lyrics like that? Do sometimes you just wake up in the middle of the night and say, I got to write this down before I forget. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. So like sometimes uh, other times it, it is real, just like uh, boots on the ground, like just sitting and just trying to write and you know like yeah. i guess like typical type stuff but then certain times yeah like something will just words will just come in my mind and it's like they'll just flash across or something and it's like oh that's genius or or maybe not even genius but it's like oh that's beautiful or that's creepy or that's like i like the feeling you know going back to like the feelings thing like i like the feeling of that yeah that's interesting. I definitely have to listen to more of it. The songs I heard, I love. I got to listen to more of it. So for musician-wise, we know you get some of your inspiration. One example would be Twilight Zone TV series. You mentioned Dr. Yeah. Dre. Who are some other musicians that inspire you to write music? Um, oh, okay. Um, Jim Morrison. Oh, yeah. Um, Robert Johnson. Let's stop right there. I want, I want to ask you a question because everybody, I mean, people, for people who don't know the story, supposedly he sold his soul to the devil to uh, write, yep. be a musical genius. What's your take on that story? Do you believe that he actually tried it? You know, it, it can go, I think it could go either way. Um, it, I think for me, it's just a great story. Yeah. It's like it's it's lore, it's it's mythology. And I think in, in the grand scheme of things, I don't think it matters whether he did or he didn't. Just the fact that like that story is around him and he will always be relevant. Now I think people do try. Um I think people do try. See the thing is is that you don't he never comes out right and says it, but in his songs, there's definitely, he talks about the crossroads and, and, and that's where, you know, the crossroads were, I think they were in Mississippi because he originated the, was it, I think he was the, the king of the, the Mississippi Delta blues. He was, yeah. And, um, and the crossroads was a big mythology back then. I, I there's like a uh, obviously a physical part of the crossroads where you go there and you go to an obvious crossroads or whatever but it's also a spiritual crossroads mm -hmm. where you know you're choosing light over dark or you know I, I me I think 
I think it could be possible, you know, as, as crazy as that sounds, but do I really think that he did? You know, I, I, you know, I, I, I think there would be more, I think there would be more around it. But I mean, I, 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 that's the thing. So many artists have, you know, like supposedly done that, you know, like there was, I think, uh, Paganini, the, uh, the great composer, like he was another one that was, um, thought to have sold a soul to the devil for, for, you know, great talent and, and stuff like that. I, and like, and I was listening to Paganini recently and it, and I mean, it's not him playing, obviously, because they don't have recordings that go back. So it must be people now that still can play it. Um, and there's there's something to those artists that um, that supposedly sell their souls to the devil that really. It feels like it feels like there's a magic to it. Yeah. Like, uh, if that makes sense, which I guess would would go along that line, like uh, Robert Johnson, Led Zeppelin. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if you remember a friend of mine who I grew up with. His band used to play with my band. I was in bands when I was in my 20s. He moved to Hollywood. His name is Kai Blackwood. He's, I, he's on the show. I interviewed him, and he was saw an ad when he was trying he was trying to get his name well known in Hollywood when he just moved down there and there was an ad saying is there anybody that wants to try and sell their soul to the devil for a documentary and they picked him so documentaries huh? sold by soul to the devil he and I talk about all of that in our in the interview you should go back and listen to it he said nothing really weird happened but then again he doesn't really believe in the devil he doesn't believe in God he believe you know so there, we had a whole discussion on religion it was a really interesting conversation so I think part of it too, if people believe that there is a devil, maybe more things will happen. If people don't really believe, I think it's also like, so if, if I, right, Rob, I'm going to put a curse on you. Every bad thing that happens, you're going to think it's the curse that I put on you. But if I didn't say anything, you're going to be like, oh, you know what? It's just for bad luck or something. Yeah. yeah. Or shit happens. You know, I just, I had an accident. But so I think it's yeah. also in the way that you think of things. So, because he said, and I, I actually spoke to his ex wife one time. And she goes, yeah, every every bad thing that happened had nothing to do with that. And she was going on and on. She was like so angry at the time, not about the documentary, but, but other things. But then when in the documentary, in my interview, he said that he, it was more of just uh, him trying to get his name out there. And he didn't really take it seriously. He goes, ah, but it's it's funny. I should, you should check it out. I don't know if you could buy it anymore. I could let you borrow it, too. It's a, called I Sold My Soul to the Devil. It's a great documentary. It's yeah, funny. yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah. And I've, I've known him since he was probably like 15 or 16 years old. We're in our 50s now. Yeah, I think, I mean, I, you know, I've gone down, um, I've got a, uh, basically a, the mark of the beast on my arm. I got one when I was 18. Oh, yeah. Because I, I wanted to go, I don't know, I, like, not necessarily down that road, because I know how it, how it can end up for a lot yeah. of, uh, a lot of artists and people that especially believe it. Yeah. Um, I, I think there's. I think there's something, I think there is a form of mm, magic, but not necessarily mm. uh, 
you know, Marvel movie magic, yeah. <laughs> whatever. I, I, I think I think it all comes from like being able to like knowing what to say and being able to um, manipulate frequencies when it comes to music. I mean, I, I think that's magical. Yeah. Um, and being able to really speak to people and do it in a way that's like believable, just like, you know, I see it almost as like, you know, kids that go to places and they have like the people adults like dressed as like cartoon characters and stuff and like they kind of you know they believe it and stuff yeah as so i think that's like almost like the adult version of that mm-hmm. i think a, a lot of that has to like you know you lose when you become an adult you know there's like a magic that's lost you know when when you realize Santa isn't real and, or, I mean, that's what, that's what people say. If there's, you know, if there's any kid watching this, that's what people say. No, you know, I, I got to stop right there. I got to tell you the story. I was just talking about this today. I was on a friend's public access show and we had a Christmas special. <laughs> we were talking about, I, thought, I said the first time I realized that there was no Santa, they actually had to take that show and only air it after 10 PM. <laughs> so yeah so i think it's funny you i was just talking about that today <laughs> when you said that so for people out there my younger viewers as rob said that's just a rumor on the street i, I believe there's a santa they're israel mm-hmm. but it's funny because i that just happened very recently when i was on a friend show just talking about christmas and i saw i remember when uh, i realized my father was the one dressed as santa and then <laughs> they they said right. hey, we can't hear that right now <laughs> I think what happens is like when you become an adult, you're you you lose so much belief and and magic and and mystical and like yeah. you know you kind of stay out of your imagination, um, or at least like you know it kind of dies. Yeah, you know, not everybody, luckily, but for a lot of people, it does. And well, well perfect example of that is the paranormal. They said the most. The, the kids see the most because they're they're open minded. They believe things. Not everything's jaded. And animals because they so they they're the ones that can see the paranormal the most. Adults are just they're so jaded. They don't believe in anything. They don't care about anything. And they just shut down like you said all the all the places in their brain where they have magic, belief, wonder, bewilderment. Mm-hmm. Those are all dead. So I I definitely agree with you on that. For me, I think. I don't believe the Bible. I think the Bible is man uh, written by man to help create order. I do believe there's something out there, but as I always tell people, I said, I think, no, I don't think, I know everybody's agnostic. Nobody knows what's out there for sure until after you die. But I do believe, and I can go over story after story about different things that happened to me, why I think that there's something out there, but I think the Bible is completely made up just to create order. Yes. I, I, I think the Bible is a uh a contorted um a contorted like grasp at trying to understand the incomprehensible mm-hmm. you know and contorted because obviously there was stuff in there that was put by prejudice and yes and form of control and you know things you know things and cultures change over time mm-hmm. but i th- you know like most holy books i think there is something beautiful in it not everything obviously but 
there are good parts that I think should be more pinpointed on than the negative stuff. You know, I, I think a lot of the doing good for your fellow man and doing good for yourself and, and just be good to thy neighbor and, and all that kind of stuff. Like that's, that's the good stuff for me, you know? Yeah. And, Cause I feel like it's like, I feel like there's a, there's a war going on with culture, obviously, but also like between like morals and stuff. And like, I don't know. I, I feel like it, you could see it. I feel everybody sees it now within like the last yeah. 10 years. Yeah. It's gotten worse. Up is down and down is up. Yeah. Well, here, here's, I always make this joke. I said in the old Testament, God is mean vindictive jealous petty then he has a kid mills out and in the new testament he's a loving all-knowing all-caring guy yeah right <laughs> you yeah need to, you need to have a kid to say you know what i don't know why i was so uptight in the old you need testament. you need purpose <laughs> which which i think that's what gives a lot of people um kids give everybody purpose you know i mean yeah. most people you know you have the people that for one other from for one reason or another don't just aren't good parents and maybe like you know there's people where that's not their fault but i have to say right there because we you and i have had so many discussions about your family life i never met her i just know her through facebook but i love your mom if you're watching right now i love you i don't know you but you're great i love your facebook post you're so positive you seem like you're so full of life you're always having fun you always look great you did a great job with rob and uh, I said, I never met you. I definitely want to have you on the show if you're watching right now. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she'll be watching. She'll oh, yeah. probably say something around this point when she gets to it. I hope so. I yeah, mean... she's great, man. So, like, she's just like, me and her are very similar in the way where we just, we want the people around us, like the people we care about, even the people that maybe tick us off or whatever, like, overall, we just want the best for mm -hmm. the people around us. And, you know, and she, she's like just a, she's been a great inspiration. Like, if I didn't have her, I mean, if, I wouldn't be here. But, you know, yeah, like if, if it was different, I would be a completely different person. You know, so like, like to me, she's like if she's like a form of magic in, in a way or at least like a, a testament to to what life what really should be about you know well, I, like i don't really know her like i said i just know her from facebook yeah what i can see though she is so loving so caring so thoughtful and this is just through what i can see the things that she posts the pictures she puts up the, the comments she makes on your photos and comments she makes on your wife ashley's photos yeah she is a wonderful person and if everybody had your attitude and her attitude it'd be a great world <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and, and and she's the same way like us too. Like she loves learning. Like me and me and her, we we talk a lot about um, <clears throat> ancient histories and stuff. Like you know wh where people come from and um, aliens and all just like great you know great conversations. You know she's she's a really She's like a the person you want to be around, you know. She's yeah. like she walks into a place, and she's the she's the person that like 
and like because of that it's it's weird but you know she'll get people that are just like rude to her that's you know like and she's she's not doing you know like most of the time like i'm not around so when i hear about these things it's like i there's really nothing i could do and i mean most of the time it's like like she went to a couple parties uh recently around i think maybe thanksgiving and like halloween and like there was like dance parties and stuff and she and she would go in and and like these people would get all jealous and like and just like leave good and, Goodbye. and stuff like which we would, don't need yeah you. right it's, it's the weirdest the weirdest stuff i'm like yeah. i don't know like that's just jealousy is a horrible thing for it any- really is yeah, no. yeah. No, and I- it's like it's natural everybody feels it but you know to actually i don't know like like if there's somebody around that is like making me feel some kind of jealous or whatever like to me that's a sign that it's like oh that that there's you know this person is like worth something not in like a problem kind of way or whatever but like a like the this is something i want somebody i want to this uh, something about them i want to have yeah one day so that 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 makes me want to talk to them get to you know start a dialect and you know i mean not everything it's like i don't know if somebody's driving a fancy car or something i'm not like oh i need to go talk to them or whatever but if somebody's like artistic or music or whatever i'm you know like jealousy to me is always it's a doorway to opportunity if you see it as that you know yeah. No, but you know what's funny about that is I just had this conversation with somebody else about this. Um, I said, you know, being completely honest, I've never been jealous. I get inspired. And I'll give you an example. Like, just like what you said, if you see something, like, you know what, I, I want to get, it makes me want to get up there and do something. And it's funny because I know, you know, for people who don't know, I have cerebral palsy and it's not really that bad. It's just mostly my right side is affected, the right leg and the right arm. But I get so many private messages on Facebook, like, Rich, man, I watch all the things you do. You inspire me. You, I feel like I'm lazy. I got to get up. and makes me want to get up and do things. And I said, I'm just living my life. I'm just having a good time. But if you're seeing what I'm doing and it's inspiring you, go right ahead. So that's why I think that yeah. jealousy is a horrible thing, and they should turn it around into inspiration and say, you know what? If he could do it, then I could do it. And just instead of like – like I did comedy for – five four or five years and every time oh how'd this person get the show i'd say who cares how they got the show that's not they didn't take the last spot why don't you try to get a spot in that show instead of just trashing this guy for doing what you want to do and there was a i mean all yeah. the things i've been in there's i've been in radio i've been in bands i've been in uh doing uh, other things i'm trying to think and there, almost every aspect of that oh stamp comedy was the other one there's always jealous people always somebody trying to backstab you it's it's, it's sad like yeah people are just so either jealous petty and vindictive in the in the arts that i've noticed yes yeah well it's ego yes you know and 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 i have an ego myself but my ego is a little different to where like i don't know i i like somebody that's coming into something new like I I want to help them more than you know be like oh I'm the I'm the king I'm the guy you know like like rather like like I feel like that's how most artists are like they they think that they're so like they think that they're the artist 
of the century. So like, like uh, talking to other artists or, you know, like being friendly with other artists is, uh, is difficult for them. It, it, it's really weird. They, they, you know, you get a lot of uh, posturing yeah, and stuff. And like, that's why I, I, I did another interview recently with, uh, with, um, with my buddy Los, who's he, uh, he emceed the shows where I did. Uh, I opened up for Ja Rule and Fetty Wap. Oh wow! And and he was saying he's like he's like you're. It was something along the lines of like he was talking about me and like how my demeanor is and stuff is like before I go on stage. I like I'm. He's like you look like nervous. Like you're like pacing back. I'm like you look like you want to leave. And then, but when you get up on the stage and you just like explode with this whole different kind of energy where you take control and stuff. And, and I, and I love hearing that. And it's, it's, I, I kind of don't, I don't have that. I have an ego, but I don't have that ego to be like, to be waiting to go up on stage and just be like, yeah, everybody, you know, all these other artists, I'm not going to talk to them or I'm going to be like an asshole. Kind of like if they introduce themselves, it's like, yeah, you know, whatever, you know, mm-hmm. because me, like I've had that a lot. And then, but I'll go up on stage and then these people are like trying to like, oh, you got like a, a page or a card or something and stuff like that. So it's like, Plus, that's that's part of the show too. Is I I want people to think like this guy's making a mistake. Like, he, wait, this guy's going up on stage. He's like sweating. He's pacing. He looks terrified. I love it. And it's like honestly, I am like like internally like uh, that's one of the scariest things is to get up on stage, but it's one of the best things. Yeah. Too. Well, the funny thing about me is I am extremely confident, but I'm not arrogant. I know what I'm good at, and I I'm not conceited about it. But I'm just confident in myself. But what you what you did before the show, and it's, I don't even think it's even being nervous. You just care, and you want to be the best you can be. And you're caring, not really nervous. You're more caring about how good you're going to be, which is healthy. Because when you become complacent, you're like, I, I'm great. You're not going to be that good. You're just going to be like, put on an average show because you don't really care. And you're like, eh, I'm good. I know it. But you want you want to be this. And I can't remember which actor it was. Let's just say it was Kirk Douglas. It was somebody of that caliber. They used to throw up every time before he would do something because he was so nervous to get it out of his system. I mean, he did that for years. And he was a famous actor who's acted in hundreds of movies just because he cared yeah. about his craft. And I, th- I think that's healthy. A perfect example is, well, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you know who Gilbert Gottfried is, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. I, yeah. I, <laughs> he said every time he would do a show, he would pray and pray and pray that there'd be a flood or some kind of fire and they would cancel the show so he wouldn't have to go on. Then when he got up and right. he loved it. And I've met him several times before he died. He was hilarious and he just had a great personality, but he did the same thing too. He goes, I would just get so nervous before a show. And then as soon as I got up on stage, you just, you know, <laughs> going yeah, yeah, that's, that's exactly how it is. For me, my thing is like, I can't sleep the night before. Even if I try, I could lay there or whatever, but I just, I can't fall asleep with, which then adds to the fear of like, I'm not going to be able to, like, I can't remember these songs and, you know, like do them flawlessly. But then 
I just have to be like, that's where the part of me that it's like the, like the, the shaman-esque trance where it's like, you're just, you're gotta, you're gonna do it. Like, and this is like the best part of, of life for me, you know, like, like getting up on stage and like proving something to people that I, that they didn't know I had to prove that I know I had to prove, you know, like just doing something different. Like I, like there was one, this has happened multiple times with me and my buddy, Robbie, where we'll go to an open mic and same kind of thing. I mean, he's there with his guitar and stuff. He looks a lot more relaxed than I do because he plays, he plays live all the time. Yeah. Um, and, but yeah, I'm just like freaking out. And then like we get up on stage and it's just him with the guitar and me with a microphone. And like at the end, people will just be like, the older musicians in the crowd will just be like, what? That was like, I've had multiple people tell me it was like, like, like watching Jim Morrison live, mm-hmm. which, which is like, like the greatest compliment. Like, I, I don't, I don't try to like go for that. It's just whatever. I get very, I'm like up and down. I'll go from like pruning, singing, and then to just like s- screaming madness and like staring at people with like a, I love you it. You know, like a, like a murderous glare. And, <laughs> and then, and, and then just like get off the stage and be like, thank you very much. And then just go like, but back to like the soft eyed kind of. That's hey, how's funny. It going? Yeah. Well, you know what's fun? I'm sure you know about Jim Morrison that he was so nervous before getting on stage for in the beginning half the shows he would have his back to the audience because he couldn't face them and Gilbert Godfrey the reason he started the whole stick with his eyes closed because he was so nervous he didn't want to look at the audience and that that became their uh stick and then Jim Morrison obviously became more and more comfortable and Gilbert was still always just Gilbert but he you'd get nervous but I said I, I for me it's funny like if if you go on my Facebook just uh Today, if you say if after show, you'll see a video. I, I love a crowd. The bigger the crowd, the better. And just recently, I saw a Carpenter's tribute band. I've been on this Carpenter's kick ever since my last interview with Randy Schmidt. You can check out my YouTube channel, Rich Sear, and the Claws Corner. But they had a Carpenter's tribute. So I got up. I was, it was like all, you know, the Carpenter's fans are, I want to say, like 60 plus. So I'm I'm a I'm a young buck there at that show. So I'm, I get up t- for the song Top of the World. I start moshing around, dancing. The band loved me. So after, like, during intermission, these old older women come up to me. Were you the one who was dancing? If you get up and start dancing, I'll dance with you. So I got up. Nobody started dancing. I said, you know what? I love being a solo artist. But I got the whole crowd saying top of the world and going crazy. The singer, she friended me on Facebook. She goes, Rich, I am so happy to know you. I love your joy for life. You're fantastic. You're incredible. So for me, it's funny. I love the spotlight. I love being the center of attention. And it really never bothers me. And the bigger the crowd, the better. But I, I don't know. I, for me, it's always like when I'm doing stuff like this, not nerves, but I always want to make this the best show it ever could be. Like it can be. Like I said, I spend hours and hours and hours getting one interview ready, memorizing, doing the research. So it's yeah, it, it's sort of similar. With me, it's not nerves. With me, it's just wanting to do a great job. Which with you, it's the same thing. You want to do a great job, but I guess. Yeah. So it's, I, but I think that's healthy because if, you, like I said before, if you just become complacent and just say, you know what, I'm good and don't put any work into it, it's going to show that this person really doesn't care. 
Yeah, I I think for for me, it's a, I'm constantly chasing the thought of like, am I am I, I'm good, but am I like, am I really as good as I think, you know, and like even me, like I don't think I'm that good, but just to even like as good as I think I am, am I, you know, and most of the time, especially like live stuff. Uh, most of the time, I'm 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 able to, I think I, I'm able to do that more live than I am at home, like trying to sit and make a, a beat or whatever. I get a lot of like I I get deterred a lot, because like I'll I'll sit there for hours working on uh, something and it just doesn't work, you know. But that's part of it, you know. Yeah. That's part of the thing. What are you got to do it to see if it works or not or. No, exactly. The most important thing is to take risks and not worry about failure because I love that saying. I think it was actually, I mean, it's he didn't say it, but it's in the movie Rocky. It's not how many times you get hit. It's how many times you get back up. And uh, yes. or it's not yeah. how many times you get knocked down. It's how many times you get knocked down and then get back up. Something to that effect. And it's true because you, as I mentioned, we mentioned about 45 minutes ago, I said these people that can use Something that happened to them is an excuse to not do something. Well, I had a bad childhood. Well, that's no excuse. You're an adult now. You don't have to live in the past. You don't have to be a victim. Get up. Do what you want to do. What's the worst thing that's going to happen? I used to always say that when when it's funny because when I was doing comedy, uh, people would say to me, why are you always so happy? Why are you always, you're always, always smiling? I said, because I'm having fun. And they're like, right? you you're have doing fun comedy. doing this? Yeah. <laughs> you have, and I said, what are you doing this for? They thought that they would get up on stage and they get this three three comedy special deal or something netflix deal i said it's not going to happen maybe it could happen at the right place right time but don't do it for that do it because you actually love doing it and do it for the fun and everything i've done i've always done because i'm having fun like right now i'm enjoying doing interviews immensely i met so many interesting people you being one of them i made so many great friends even with some of like the the bigger celebrities, like we got to hang out sometime. Like I, my favorite movie growing up are the Warriors, and I I've, yeah. I've become friends where they want to hang out with me with three of them so far. They're like, you know what? I like you. You do you do a really good interview. It's like you seem like a great guy. I want to. We got to hang out sometime, and I've hung out with two of them so far. So it's, it's a, the fact that that's awesome. Yeah, I, I love awesome. this show for just that reason. Not hanging out with the people, but just meeting learning new stories and i just love talking to people so i don't do things because oh let me see if i can make it you know be the next joe rogan or yeah next, i just do it because i'm having the best time and if if something ever did happen i'm not going to stop it but i'm not i'm not over there consciously trying to make this you know like become a superstar i'm just if if it does happen, yeah, because I, I personally know. Like yeah. I said, I'm confident that I do a really good interview. I've had more than enough people and all the guests tell me how, I mean, when you have Dee Wallace and Ted Neely, who have done thousands and thousands of interviews, and she actually says that, the amount of research, she goes, we appreciate that, and we love what you did. Thank you very much. And Ted Neely had to stop in the middle of it. For people who don't know, he played Jesus in Jesus Christ Superstar. He goes, I got to stop you, man. I, he goes, I do interviews, and sometimes you know when the people – just sort of coasting through. He goes, wow, what were we talking about? He goes, I, your, your amount of research just threw me off base. I, thank you very much. Thank you. That he kept on saying that. So I made those two into a promo. And that, that's just. Yeah, man. Like two examples. the amount of research you do, everything is incredible. Yeah. So that's, and I, I do it because I, well, one, I enjoy it, but two, I want to do 
a great job. So, I mean, who knows when I'll ever have a chance to interview these people again. Most of the people said, yeah, I would love to come back after I, I'll give you an example. When some uh, Rob Ryder, who was doing uh, with the Warriors, he goes, Rich, before the show, he goes, can we just make it about an hour? So an hour and a half later, I said, you know, I know we ran late. Thanks very much. He goes, we could have kept on talking. He, Cause I think he thought it was just going to be like one of those fluff interviews. And then afterwards he goes, wow, this is really good. Yeah. You talked yeah, about right. So can... Yeah. So the reason I'm bringing all this up was because, um, I was saying like people, you could be confident, but not arrogant, but if you care about it, put as much work into it. And then you always get that feeling like, you know what? No, I'm going to like that feeling you get on before you get on stage. It's not really, maybe it's not nerves. It's more like, I, I want to make this the best it can be. I'm going to do a great job. Yeah. And I want it to be a one, a one of a kind experience. So that's why I, I like, I like performing with uh, my buddies because they just, like they can um, obviously just play whatever. I I don't have to bring a beat or anything, and yeah. um, and I just I love like freestyling, like um, like I guess jamming, but I, I guess it would be more like um, like darker jamming, I guess. What would you consider darker jamming? Oh, I, I guess it would be like jamming but not in a not in like the grateful dead fish type sense i guess it would I, 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 the stuff we jam to sounds more like um dissonant uh 60s 70s type rock i love that um that's my favorite that 60s and 70s are my favorite eras for music movies pretty much everything i just love that mm-hmm. era oh yeah it was it was, a, it was a killer era for for especially music with the whole uh with the hippie movement and yeah and all of, like the jim morrison and, and all the 27 club members and mm-hmm. also i think that i mean now everything's so safe so generic so everybody's afraid to offend everyone which we were talking about before but back then there were pioneers like norman lear who came out with all in the family maud one day at a time jefferson so many great shows that were groundbreaking there's really nothing that is groundbreaking anymore. Everything is just a copy of something else. And they it's a dumbed down generic version of whatever they're copying yeah. because, oh, we got to be safe. I mean, I think the last, like one of my favorite shows of all time now, and I don't know if you've seen it, but it's Curb Your Enthusiasm. Larry David, have you ever seen it? Oh, yes. Yep. The reason I love yeah. that show is because he just doesn't care. He's the guy, for people who don't know, pretty much everybody knows who he is now. He is the one that created Seinfeld. But Curb Your Enthusiasm is Seinfeld without censors. It's one of the funniest shows on the, and the stuff he gets away with, even he said, he goes, I don't, sometimes I don't know, but the reason he does get away with it because it's on HBO or HBO Max now, and there's no sponsors. If he had sponsors, he'd probably get in a lot more trouble because they would be oh, yeah. their ads. But I mean, he, he, and the people he has on there, like he did a whole episode about Michael J. Fox. He wasn't sure if he was getting Michael J. Fox mad because he kept on shaking <laughs> every time he'd say something. He goes, it's Parkinson's. He goes, are you mad or is it Parkinson's? The whole episode. But Michael J. J. Fox had such a great sense of humor about that. And it's just that's just one, one example of his episodes. And his new season starts February 2nd. Right now it's January 29th. I can't wait to see it. Yeah. Yeah, that's incredible, man. But but I think the people play it too safe and they should go by Yes. Yeah. They should go by history. It's like the shows that will last forever. I think one besides Curb, another one that is groundbreaking 
and is not afraid to break the rules are Matt Stone, Trey Parker with South Park, and everything else they do. Oh yeah, yeah, they, they've been killing it too recently with their with their last special or their last two specials yeah. that they came out with. One was the one about Disney. I love that one. I, that one I saw. Yeah. <laughs> I told you, man. I told you that Disney's messing up. Oh yeah, Disney's I love really. That. It was so. It, it feels so validating. Yes. To see it because it's like it's been so blatant for for the last five six years that it's like like these companies are losing so much money put a chick in it make her gay that was the funniest thing yeah the, for people who don't know that's what cartman kept saying they're like well how do we make this more popular put a chick in it and make her gay <laughs> so he kept on saying throughout the whole episode it's hilarious because yep. yeah, there's the like, alternate universe where he's yep, a the multiverse girl. yeah the multiverse <laughs> it's just the funniest the other one I didn't see, Street Cred. I want to see that one, but I I heard it's really. My brother saw it. He said it's hilarious. Street Cred. That's the latest latest special they came out with. Oh yeah, yeah, that one's hilarious too. With butter. Yeah, Randy. Randy starts. Randy starts a uh, OnlyFans. OnlyFans. Yeah. yeah. I, I heard about it. I never saw it that because I think you have to get Paramount Plus for that one. And my brother. Yeah, yeah. I, I I saw him at the Cape. Cape Cod where my parents live, so we were watching all those, and I saw the the Kathleen Kennedy slash Disney one. I laughed my ass off. It's just so. And what I love about that show is there's a documentary on HBO Max about South Park where they make an episode in one week. Have you seen it? Yes, I, yeah, I actually love that documentary. Me, me, and Ashley watched that. Yep, that was great. Yep, I mean, it was a great documentary, and it's great because they can make changes so quickly because so they, quick. they start on a Sunday and whatever they're talking about, something will happen on a Wednesday and they're like, all right, let's change it. I mean, The Simpsons, which was a great show. I haven't watched it in years. So I don't know how good it is anymore, but they would have mm-hmm. everything. It would take the animation, I think, six months. It was a long time. So something that they would do oh, yeah. was would take months later than the episode would come out. So for them, they but South Park is so... I don't like using the word crude because I don't think they're crude at all. But um, the drawings and everything are so they're not doesn't take really a lot of time. So they could change things, update it, and it makes the show so much more timely, so much more topical, and it's always hilarious, always on point. And perfect example of what how great it is. Norman Lear, who I mentioned, who does all those shows I brought up, Jefferson's All in the Family, Maud, One Day at a Time, so many greats. He said. South Park is the greatest satire there is. And he says, I want to direct. It is. He directed their 100th episode years ago. He goes, this is my favorite current show. And I, I love it. it. It is really, it is the best satire. Like, like uh, it blows everything else that's ever tried to be satire out of the water. Saturday Night Live. Oh, yeah. Family Guy, Simpsons. Like, it's it stood the test of time tremendously. Like I'm surprised Saturday Night Live is still on the air. Oh yeah, it's it's. I haven't watched it. You wonder when the last it's time a tragedy. I saw it. Yeah, the last time I saw it was when it had Billy Crystal, Martin Short, Christopher Guest. I want to say 85, 86. I did watch some of the uh, later years. I like maybe a little bit of Chris Farley those years, but I for the most part, the last time I really saw it on a regular basis was I want to say 85, 86 when it had all those characters, Martin Short. Billy Crystal, Christopher Guest, and that it was so much, it was still funny back then. Then the was court, that when they was that when Dan Aykroyd was on too? No, that was seventy five. That was the original. Yeah, yeah. Eighty two, eighty three was Eddie Murphy, 
and uh, Joe Piscopo in 85 was yeah. the newer people that came on, the, the ones I just mentioned. That's when it was, to me, last funny. After that, it just started getting safer and safer, and then the, the humor started becoming dumber and dumber for me. Maybe I was getting older, and it's just yeah. I didn't really, but it's just I didn't. I didn't think it was it wasn't as edgy as it was. Look at some of the episodes from the seventies with Richard Pryor. They'll never be able to do that again. Oh yeah, no. Wow. Is I mm. I love it. But they took a chance and they it was it was a live show. It was edgy. People loved it. Now it's another show, sadly, that's just become too safe, too predictable, too boring. And it doesn't it really doesn't need to be. Like like that's the thing, like all of this stuff that that is created now that is so safe and sanitized that really doesn't it doesn't need to be and it shouldn't be mm-hmm. like uh, I th- uh, the the excuse is they want you know they want to make stuff for all audiences you can't so then they can get the most money yep. and but what they're doing now is just not that's not garnering that um that outcome because you're not at these big movie companies and stuff. They're not raking in money like they used to be nope. back when they focused on telling good stories mm-hmm. versus is it like, who can we market this to or who can't we market this to, you know? And it's just, a, it it's so obvious that it's, it's, it's taken all the soul out of the industry now years years ago i don't know i'm not sure if you remember this episode south park did an episode it's so timely to what you just said so relevant they were doing a christmas pageant so during the christmas pageant they said well we have to take this out because it's going to offend the jews then we have to take this out because it's going to offend the catholics well if we don't if we have to take that out we have to we can't offend the protestants so at the Mm -hmm. end of the episode at the they finally put on the christmas pageant everybody's in the audience goes this is boring Let's go. And they yeah, walk out. Yeah, there's nothing yeah. left to offend anybody. It's, it's some vague interpretive dance that all the kids are doing. The yeah. like real slow, droney music has nothing to do with Christmas at all or the holiday. Yeah, because yeah, you take out all the things that make something. You know, I, I don't know, like something that isn't made for me. I don't get offended. I, I've yeah. never been offended in my life. I, I can't think of anything that could offend me. People say that all the time. Is there anything? I said no. I have opinions. Exactly. I have, I have plenty of opinions. Yeah. And, and I, I don't, not like, I don't, I'm not afraid to voice them like you are neither, which I love. Yeah. But I wouldn't try to get people fired or no, never. This, this shouldn't have been made or this shouldn't be out there to see or whatever. There's certain things. I mean, obviously there's, you know, there's laws for certain things you can't have, but when it comes to just purely creative art, yeah. trying to tell a story that has not, not, an illegal story to tell then you know yeah i'll tell you what offends me are people that are afraid to take risks i'm talking about for creative people putting on tv shows generic people that put something safe and generic on there so they can get an example of that when i was doing comedy people would say well if you change your comedy a little bit maybe you'll get a bigger audience i said i don't want a bigger audience i said i'd rather have the smaller rabid crowd that loves me comes to see me all the time instead of like a whole generic crowd go who is that? How how was Rich? Which one was he? When people believe when I was doing my comedy, people were like, oh, the claw. I know the claw. Like, so the, I, I definitely. Yeah, yeah. So it's, yeah, I'd, I'd rather, I'd rather. I know my sense of humor. I know what makes me laugh. And if I'm going to do something that's not even going to make me laugh, why should I do it? 
I'm not going to do it just to get a bigger audience because they've wanted me to do things like play the the town fair. I said, no, nah, it's not going to go over well there. And I said, I don't really care. I know my crowd and I know it's going to work. Yeah, it's like you know where you're going to, yeah. Yeah, so but I'm not going to change my act just so I can get a bigger crowd. And that's, that, that's I think, probably what offends me the most, which nothing does offend me, but what offends me is when people change what they're doing just just because they want either a bigger crowd or they're just afraid to take a risk and say, oh, I don't know, those, this might not go over well. Who cares? Those are like taking a risk. Like those are the things that get you the bigger crowd now. Oh, exactly. I mean, perfect example. We mentioned Larry David. I mean, I'm sure you heard the story about Seinfeld. Um, he went in there with Larry or with Jerry Seinfeld. They pitched the idea and the network said, that's stupid. A show about nothing. Larry David in the middle of it with NBC walked out and said, I don't care. I don't want this. And Jerry Seinfeld said, what the hell is he doing? Why is he doing this? But he got the show. And then they, uh, the show was bombing. It was on Tuesday nights against, uh, what's that show? with um, Home Improvement. Tim Allen. So yeah. they put it on Thursday nights. And Larry David said, you know what? If they didn't watch us on Tuesday, I don't want them watching us on Thursday. Jerry Seinfeld said, shut up. He was, I don't understand it. But Larry David stuck by everything that he believed in and never, ever backed down. That's why I think he is probably one of the, he puts on the funniest shows in this, the 21st century. Yeah. 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 Curb Your, Curb Your Enthusiasm is definitely one of those shows that is, is definitely iconic and definitely has a big cult following. Oh my God. Yeah. It's you know, great. You know, what's great about that show too, is that he writes a detailed outline, but it's all improv. He'll write maybe two paragraphs about exactly what's going to be going on. And he said every once in a while to do a second take. But for the most part, if you watch a show, you'll see one of the cast members laughing because they didn't know the other person was going to say that. Cause it just, it's all improv. And I love that about the show. That's yeah. That, that's actually something I've been doing recently. Like when I, um, I, I I like to freestyle a lot of uh, singing and stuff like that. So I'll I've been doing that. Like um, I made a song with my buddies I think last summer called the Gospel, and they had a really cool. They came up with a really cool instrumental. Um, I I, I think it kind of it sounds it sounds like uh, like if the Doors made the song Creep. Yeah. Um. It, because I think it has that similar, I think we accidentally came up with that similar, um, similar riff, uh, but, but it's on like organ and stuff. Like my buddy has an organ and he likes to, he likes to play all the live stuff. Whereas I do the uh, virtual instrument stuff. He, he's the real non-virtual instrument guy, which is awesome. Um, so, so him and my buddy made that instrumental while I was there and I had, same kind of thing. I just had a couple outlines of things I wanted to talk about. And then I I did my verse. First take was uh, I I didn't like it at first. And then I tried to do a second take and that was even worse. And then so I, I didn't listen to the song for a couple of weeks. And then once I did listen to it, I was like, holy crap, <laughs> this is pretty good. I don't know if would you want to uh would you actually want to check that song out? We could do it on here. Um I know it may not be the best for for the audio no, listeners, but I would like it. to get your um let's do it. I want to hear it. Get your yeah, get your uh take on it. Is it similar to what uh Eminem does in Eight Mile, where he just starts r r riffing? 
Um, no, th this is actually me singing. Like with, when I say freestyle, it, it, it could mean I actually, I'm bad at freestyle rap, okay. but I'm good. I I'm, I'm better at freestyle singing. Okay. We're coming up with words and melodies on the spot. Yeah. Let's hear it. And absolutely. Um, let's see. I wonder if I can. If I play something, like, let me know if you can yeah. hear this as well. Okay. Do you hear anything? Not right now, no. Okay. Um, if it's cool, I might have to, I'll send you a link. Yeah, please. And then, yeah, you'll have to. I'll listen to, I'll listen to, and I'll, I'm going to listen to it right when we're off the air too, and I'll get right back to you because I'm going to hear it. Absolutely. I, I have a habit of. Oh yeah, I'll get to it tomorrow. And the next thing you know, it's like four weeks later. It's like shit, I forgot all about that. So I'm not gonna I'm gonna make sure it doesn't happen this time. Oh yeah, no. Actually, if it do you have YouTube open or anything? I can't I, I can't open it on this because uh it, it'll ruin the recording. So I'll Oh, I'll, it will? Oh, okay, yeah. sorry. <laughs> what I'll do is I'm I I have is it on your YouTube channel? Uh well I was gonna show you another one, but uh I'll send that one an email because we haven't released it yet. My buddies want me to to fix up the the instruments and stuff, but they I'm waiting on them to send me the all the separate files. So okay, but yeah, I I, I have another one that I did too that I think may have been the first. I think it was the first kind of freestyle song that I did like that, and it was one of my most personal songs. Uh, Drag me down is about um the addiction to to Adderall and and falling into that kind of um letting that go out of control and spiraling and staying awake for days on end while at work washing dishes like going from washing dishes to at home working on music and and just kind of letting that not realizing the the impact that it has on your your brain and your like your hormonal levels to keep you like leveled emotionally what's the most what's the longest you've ever stayed up the longest you, you mentioned that i you think were... four days what oh my god <laughs> four days yeah and, and there was like it's not like a uh it's not something i'm like crazy proud of or whatever you know it's like a, it's, it's the thing that comes with um addiction especially addiction to like a speedy yeah um thing and like now i and now realizing why i was so gravitated towards it is because i i have adhd and so now i actually get it prescribed so i have like the now i i don't treat it that way anymore now i i just you know use it for what it's uh what it's meant for but before when i ran into it as a kid you know like people get hooked on a lot of people i know growing up that they all got hooked on opiates mm -hmm. and stuff like that and i just i never liked that stuff yeah but when my buddy when i think i was 15 my buddy was sister passed away uh recently she was actually one of my best friends she passed away a couple of years ago from cervical cancer but Oof. she gave it to me first and the it's like the weirdest thing happened to where like you know like i just wanted to create i just wanted to like i feel like i could focus mm -hmm. 
more than I ever could in my life. And it, it gives you a lot of energy. So I was like, oh, so I was just, I really got into like getting, writing a lot and creating a lot of beats and stuff. And, and before I knew it, I was like addicted to it, you know, yeah. to where I'd get a lot of it, take it all at once. And then the next few days just be miserable and feeling down. And then eventually that just, that went on for a couple of years and hmm. whew, and then it just, it came to a head one night at, at peddlers, which I was working at. I was, hmm. I was a dishwasher and I loved the dishwashing because it was such a mindless job yeah. that I was able, like I wrote so many songs while washing dishes. Cause I would just, I was always good. I would have my headphones on and, but I was always good with whenever they would call me, I was, alert or whatever so yeah they let me wear my headphones where they wouldn't let other people wear their headphones because for one i was like the only dishwasher there for like i would i worked there for like four years and for a year of that i was probably the only dishwasher there so i was there like every day from morning to night they you know they needed me which feels good job security and stuff but then i really started taking more um going out and buying more Adderall and, you know, and people in the restaurant were using it too, because it, you know, gives you energy a long, you know, long amount of time. So then that just became a thing, constantly working, staying up for four days on, on end, wow. working band practice and making music in between. But that just, it, after a couple of years, that just took its toll and I felt like I was going crazy because my hormones were, I was always so miserable and stuff, which, which happens with, um, with, uh, that kind of speed abuse. It, 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 it makes it so you can't really get happy and that's it, harder and harder for you to, especially concentrate because there's a dopamine thing where you can concentrate. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So, so then that, that just came to a head and I finally just kicked it. I quit my job. So I didn't, I just, I quit my job and didn't have any money. And that, that was my plan. I just lived with my mom for a year or so and yeah. basically just detoxed, cleaned up. And, and then I met Ashley mm -hmm. and then, and so that's been good. Yeah. Well, like, I, and then I was going to say, oh, I'm, yeah, I'm friends with her on Facebook as well. And she's, mm -hmm. she's so good for you. She's such oh, a well, great person. Well, that's been great. That's been great. Not good. That's been great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I didn't mean, I wasn't even saying it. I'm just saying I'm, I'm making myself a personal observation. First, I said, your mother's the best. Ashley, I met her and on Facebook too. So I'm so glad that th those two people are in your life. And I love the fact, as I mentioned earlier, it's like, I can't stand people that played a victim. You've never played the victim. As long as I've known you, you've never, you've, you, you always held yourself accountable for what you did. Yeah. Excuses. And that, those are the people I respect, not the people mm -hmm. who go, Oh, it's not my fault. It's not it's everybody else's fault. Everybody's against me. No. Just yeah, no. Anytime I did drugs or whatever, yeah. stuff like that, it was like I did it because it was fun. It yeah. felt good. Yeah. You know, it made me think different. I, I did a lot of acid back in the day, too. That messed up my head for a while. Oof. Um, because, like, at first it was great. Acid opened up a lot of doors to yep. um, things I never thought about before. Music I never really liked. That's kind of what really got me into, like, 60s music. 
mm-hmm. was uh, doing acid the first time. And then, so I wanted to chase that. So I kept doing it, doing it, doing it. And then eventually <clears throat> I would just, there came a tipping point to where I would get anxious and, <clears throat> and have like negative emotions and feelings when I'd be on acid. Yeah. <clears throat> and then that just took over completely. So I had like, but I was still kind of addicted to the finding the, trying to open up the doors and, you know, explore different things in the cosmos and stuff. But then uh, after a while, it just wasn't that at all. It was just horrible, introspective, um, nothing. It was almost like the worst things that I could say to myself. Yeah. Or people could say to me, I was saying to myself for hours on end on acid. And then, and that just did not that, that messed me up too. A lot of a lot of the messed up stuff that I'm messed up from is from stuff that I've done to myself, and you know there are things that stem from the, my childhood and stuff. But yeah, but you never, like you said, you've never used it as an excuse. You've always overcome it. From what I can tell, from knowing you for mm-hmm. the last couple of years, and that's what I respect about you. I'm lucky because I've never ever had an addictive personality. I've never tried a cigarette because yeah. I don't like the smell of it or anything. I've never tried drugs in my life. I never had any interest. I do like drinking alcohol, but I'm definitely careful because, you know, if I'm, I, especially now since they have Ubers and Lyfts, I love that because anytime I want to yeah. go, out, I don't have to even think about it. I don't have to worry about driving, but I've been lucky in the fact that I've never, ever had an addictive personality. Nothing like that's ever happened to me. But I said, I've known people on both sides where one, oh, my life is, I have to do this. Or you're like, no, I made a mistake and I learned mm-hmm. from it and I'm a much better person because of it like you. So that's, I have a lot of respect for you, Rob. Thank you, man. Thank you. And, you know, some people go through more difficult uh, situations and things. And 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 those people like need real, some people do, most people need help. Yeah. You know, that's what a lot of people don't want to see it as that i think humans said you know you just want to especially if it's something mental or physical you just kind of want to either figure it out yourself or just let it Mm -hmm. heal itself yeah which mental mental scars and and stuff like that they don't really you need you need some kind of help whether it's talking about it whether you know you need something Mm -hmm. and 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 that's what music and create and creation has done for me. And I, you know, I've made missteps along the way, but I, I don't like to to hide that, you know, because for one, a lot of those missteps I encapsulate in songs. So it's like you hear the songs and talking like you know amphetamines and stuff. It's like what is he talking about? Is he doing meth? And like I've never done meth. Yeah. Um. That was one thing I'd never. Um never do i've never smoked crack i've never done meth um and 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 those in particular were like those are just something i never never like it's weird because i've had friends from school that you never would expect to like grow up and, and be smoking crack or or like overdose on heroin and stuff you know and you think like like why didn't i go down that route you know like why didn't why didn't i ever try a crack or or meth or what you know 
it's like I have tried things or whatever, but yeah. I think it, it comes down to like my mom is one thing I, I I've seen I've seen family members on crack, and and heroin and stuff and 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 as it was and what it does to their lives, it's just I was I I couldn't do that to my mom, mm-hmm. you know, like uh, all the stuff that she's been through, I could never like the, those there's more it's like i i i have unfortunately i've 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 done heroin um years ago over 10 years ago now i didn't like it and and my good friend who sold it to me is now dead from it he died a couple years later wow so i did that once definitely did not like it i'm glad you didn't like it i'm glad you hated it yeah it's I found it's like my my things. If if it doesn't help me create or whatever, it could sound like a cop out, but it is what it is. It's like a the things that I do have. I, I smoke weed. I don't really drink that much anymore. Um, I have my ADHD meds, which that really helps everything. Oh, good. Um, and that's you know that's about it. How old now, were you when you realized you had ADHD? Were you older? Um, well, see, the thing is like my, my teachers and stuff, when I was a young kid were telling my mom that, um, that I was definitely had ADHD and, but she didn't want to put me on the meds back then, which I appreciate now because like taking those kind of meds when you're that young can mess up. Like, I feel like it, I would be different now had I taken those all my life, then I would be, you know, on and off for however many years. And then now actually being on them, mm-hmm. I think it would, you know, I've, I've seen people that shouldn't have been on those meds and like, and were for like most of their lives and they get to a certain age and they kind of just turn into zombies. Like there's one person I know that is like a zombie from those meds that's um, I, I want to bring them glad you brought that up because i've seen people i know who who were depressed and or they had issues so the psychiatrist said, well i'm going to put you on medications they were zombified and i said you know what that's not really curing the problem it's more masking and i said why do you why i'd rather see you have a little bit of emotion instead of more of like a zombie just you're all too nuggling yeah do i feel great yeah you're not depressed that's where like a lot of people that that's a lot of people get hooked on the opiates because and like Xanax and stuff and like Xanax is like something that they prescribe for people with uh, uh, anxiety and depression yeah. or even like if you want it deeper into like the SSRI um, like antidepressant medication that's like long like long long term and takes a long time to kick in yeah the, those kind of things I never. Like, I, I don't want to be out of it. If, you know, like, I, I want to be as, uh, as, alert. you know, yeah. alert and my brain going as, as much as possible because there's, I, I like it. Like, I like, I, I feel the just incessant need to be constantly thinking and creating yeah. and, and, you know, I I feel like you you die or so you know or something like like it's just 
a part of you just goes away a, a big part when you just kind of try to avoid exactly when, when you just try to shut down you know that's why i think to me it's similar to when a psychiatrist does that where they'll just ask you how you're feeling oh take this it's similar to when you you see the check engine light on instead of getting to a mechanic and finding out why that light's on you just put some duct tape over it you can't see the problem but the problem's still there underneath the tape so you're the drugs are masking the problem you're not finding out the root of it why is this person depressed why is he or she have anxiety you're just masking it with we'll just we'll just dope you up and you won't feel any pain anymore well yeah but that's not the way you should be living like you said if you're not creating if you're not thinking clearly if you're just in a daze the whole time that's not living either yeah if you're just out of it what's like the point <clears throat> yep so i'm glad well, that's the way i feel no i feel exactly <clears throat> the same way and i've seen this like i said i've luckily i've never had any kind of issues like that i've for the most part i'm never depressed i always i'm able to look at it i, I tell people this all the time because uh, my brother's wife had pancreatic cancer for three years before she finally died last July. And every time somebody gets depressed, I'd say, my brother's wife is lean. And I'd say, I bet you lean wishes she had that problem. I bet you if she would, she could trade places with you now, right, right now she would. And I always look at that outside. Like if something ever gets me down, I'm like, you know what? If this is the worst thing that happens to me today. My life is pretty damn good. And I'm able to do that. So for the most part, what you see is how I am all the time. Yeah, yeah, and, and and that's that's something really good. That's a great thing to have. Um, having that like something to pull you out of, like of like those negative thoughts. Yeah, you know, for me, it's like it's it's usually like, oh, I'm not I'm not doing anything. I don't have anything released or whatever. I'm you know this or that. I mean, it's like I do have things released, but it's like oh, I'm not releasing. But it's like I'm creating. Mm -hmm. I, 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 I like rush myself but i always like to like i like to think like like the when it's all over kind of like what you're thinking like you know like um you know like all, all the great stuff that you've done and yeah. you know and, and how, how grateful you are to 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 been a part you know to have been a part of that and yeah like that that's what i like to think of like all the things that I've been a part of all the all the music I've made and 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 all the music that I'm going to leave behind. You know, there's even if you know the that's the way I I like to think. You know, plus that the magic of like the artists that I really like. That's part of the magic of them is that like a lot of them they're gone now, and there's there's something mystical about being able to listen to jim morrison or um or robert johnson and, and be like you know where these guys like it adds an air of more like magic to their music now that they're gone you know which is kind of like i i can seem crazy but it's kind of like a lot of i think i've said that before in here like thinking about how like my music will be when i'm gone mm -hmm. i think it'll it'll hit 10 times harder for for people, especially people close to me and stuff. And, you know, I want to leave them something behind. That's like something that, you know, like the world didn't win or negativity didn't win mm -hmm. for me. You know, yeah, I created, I, I did something, you know, I think everybody, I say this all the time. Unfortunately, the older people get 
not everybody, but a lot of people, they think that they just have to give up living. They have to give up. Oh, I'm too old for this. I'm too old for that. I always say, first of all, why, if you're not neglecting your responsibilities, why can't you still have fun? And second of all, I think everybody needs to do something that they love, even if they're not making money of it. Just make a, do it as a hobby. Do, you have to do something that you're passionate about because you're not really living if you're getting up, eating breakfast, going to work, coming home, watching TV, eating, going to bed, repeat, wash, rinse, repeat. They're doing the same thing over and over again, and they're not really living, and they're not, there's, there's nothing fulfilling about it. But if you do something like you're doing music, I'm doing this, I love doing it, I look forward to it, it gives me an outlet, and it's very cathartic, and I think that it's very healthy, and I think everybody should have some something that they love to do and do it. It doesn't matter if you don't have to make a living out of it. You don't have to, like, people sometimes say, how much money do you make doing it? I said, I mean, yeah, yeah. I said, why? I said, why do you do it? I said, because I love it. I'm not doing it to make money. I'm doing it because I love doing this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like if, if, like if I had to, like if, okay, if, if like making music, like if I sat down every time I go make music and said this has to make money, I probably wouldn't. My music would either be very different or I just wouldn't be doing it anymore. Yeah. Exactly. You know, it's a, it, it, it's about the spiritual feeling and 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 the the magic that it creates for me. That really, that's why I gravitate towards it. That's why I always, that's why I just never stop. You know. Yeah. Well, Rob, and be, uh, about two hours ago, I said, "We can we stop after two hours because I have some things to do early in the morning." It's a, right now it's 11 o'clock. We started at nine. I can talk to you probably for another three, four hours like we normally do. Right. But before we go, because we, we definitely have to continue. This, I find this interesting. We, you always have something to say. You're always in, an interesting guest. You have to come back again very soon. But is there any, any last words you want to say before we go for this episode? Um, I'd say keep, keep, keep an eye out for, for stuff. Uh, from me and you in the next I'd say for me in the next couple of years and for me and you hopefully within the, the next year or so we get working on that short story oh yeah definitely we, we didn't get I mean, to talk about that yet you and I yeah. we're hopefully going to be working on a short story and also uh, my editor John Bristol of the award winning Elmer Productions he's gonna he wants me to help him with a screenplay on his because he, he makes movies with puppets. I'm sure you know about this. And you, oh, yeah. People don't know. Check it out. He makes some great movies. One is a horror movie head. I'm going to be helping out with part three. You got to check it out. And then uh, he does comedies, dramas. He just came out with a movie called Bernice 2 that won an award from Film Threat Magazine for Best Comedy. It's a great movie. Check it out. Just go on his website, Elmwood Productions. Check out, subscribe to his YouTube channel, Elmwood Productions. And... You got to subscribe to Rob Bull on YouTube. And um, I think he said you do have some stuff on Spotify and iTunes. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. 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 And and I will have things and songs and stuff released before the next couple of years. But I, I think in the, I'm thinking the next couple of years will be when something finally takes off. So and what I want to do is we'll talk um, during the week. I definitely want to start working on that story together so we have an idea we won't say it here what it is but i think it's going to be a fun story and it'll be it'll be fun collaboration so i'm looking forward to that absolutely yeah it's going to be awesome yeah thank cool. you for having me oh rob you're the best and once i appreciate all you do for me and all you do for the show 
So that wraps up the latest episode of the Claws Corner. A special thanks goes out to author, musician, and so much more, Rob Bull, for taking time out of his extremely busy schedule to be a guest on my show. I also need to thank the um, editor extraordinaire, John Bristol, of the award-winning Elmwood Productions, as I mentioned before, for always doing a superb job editing this show each and every week and making it available to all on YouTube. I am also extremely grateful to Joseph Timothy Quirk and the one and only Rob Bull for all they do to make my show available not only on several Connecticut radio stations, but Spotify, iTunes, Amazon Music, Audible, and iHeartRadio. Thank you both very, very much. I'm extremely grateful. And lastly, but definitely not least, I need to thank you, the viewer, for always tuning in. Enjoy your day, everyone.